Hey guys, if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible or turn it on. Uh, we are in the book of Philippians, all right? So Philippians is where I want you to open up to. And you go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of different verses, but the big idea for today is going to come out of Philippians 4, uh, verse So Philippians 4, verse 4 is where we're going to get at in just a second. Uh, But man, I just want to thank our worship team so much, man. Wasn't that a powerful time of worship, man? I just love that, man. I love you guys, man. Just just their dedication every week, man. And so I just want to, I want to pray really quick, get our hearts ready to hear from God. And and I just think that God would want to speak something really helpful into our lives today, into our church. And so let's just put ourselves in a really good position to hear from God today, okay? So let's pray really fast. Father, I pray right now. That, God, you would just come and speak. Because, God, at the end of the day, you're the only voice that, that we need to hear. God, you're the only voice that we want to hear. God, even if, even, even if the, for the people who are here today, they're, they're not really sure about this whole church thing. They're not even really sure about this whole God thing. God, we all came looking for something bigger than ourselves today. God, I pray that you would come right now and speak to all of us right where we're at. And Jesus, just deal with us. God, speak to us in a really clear way. God, I thank you for the lives that we've seen changed. And God, those who followed you in baptism, Jesus, and just the step that, they, that they've taken. And Father, I just pray right now that, God, you just speak into our hearts in a way that only you can. We'll give you all the glory for it. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Um, you know, have you ever thought about, I don't know if you've ever uh, put a lot of thought into how many decisions you make every day. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about how many decisions you make every day? Because even if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I don't know, I'm a pretty indecisive person. Listen, no, you're not. Because you've already made a lot of choices today, haven't you? I mean, you made the decision to come. You made the decision to eat breakfast. You made the decision to drive the speed limit or not drive the speed limit. You made the decision to wear what you're wearing right now. For some of you, that was the wrong decision. Somebody just needed to say it, okay? But you just make decisions. I don't know if you realize this or not, but they actually did, uh, somebody actually did research on this. Uh, Because for some reason, you have to do research on everything. And so somebody did research to discover how many decisions you and I make a day. How many decisions the average person makes a day? And it was discovered that the average person on minimum, a minimum amount of decisions, the average person makes at least 612 decisions every day. 612 decisions every day. That's over 4,000 a week. That's over 200,000 a year. You and I, we are constantly making decisions. And in the midst of all of those decisions is the one decision that you and I could make that could be the determining factor on whether or not you and I stand in the midst of the storm. In the midst of all of those decisions that you and I are constantly making is the one decision that unfortunately a lot of people don't make. But it's the one decision that you and I could make that could be the determining factor on whether or not you and I are going to have faith that stands in the midst of the storm or a faith that falls in the midst of a storm. See, because that's exactly what we're talking about in this series. Last week we launched into a series that we are in right now called Unglued. And what we're trying to do in this series, we're trying to figure out how do you keep it all together When everything is falling apart. You've been there, right? 
Those times when you feel like everything's falling apart. It might be a phone call that you get that was unexpected but just completely turns your world upside down. It might be the loss of a job. It might be the start of a new job. It might be a decision that someone close to you has made. We've all been there. At some point where where it just seems like everything is falling apart. And today, today, I want to talk to us about the one decision that you and I could make. The one decision that you and I could make that could keep it all together for us. When everything's falling apart. I want to talk to us today about the one decision that you and I could make. And listen to me, it's a decision that, to be honest, you're going to have to make more than once, okay? You're going to have to make this decision a lot, but it is the one decision that you and I could make that could keep you from coming unglued. Now, some of you today, because I've been at church work long enough, somebody here in the audience, just to be honest, and just to kind of deal with the objection that's going to come up in your mind, somebody here, you're going to hear what we're talking about today, you're going to look at your situation, and you're going to say, there's no way I could make that choice. I hear what you're saying, I even see what the Bible is saying, but listen, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going home to today, and listen, there is no way that I could make that decision. And if that's not you, then listen, the devil is going to give you every single reason he possibly can so that you don't need to make the decision that we're going to talk about today. This is the decision that kept everything together for the Apostle Paul when everything around him is coming unglued. Because that's exactly the context of the book of Philippians. If you were here last week, if you weren't, don't sweat it. You can just go to the website and download it or listen to it on our app. But the context where the Apostle Paul was when he writes this book called Philippians, he's writing this to a letter in the city of Philippi. This is a church in this city, and he's writing this letter from jail. And Paul knows, we talked about this last week, Paul knows that he's either going to get out of jail or he's going to be killed. And that's how he's getting out of jail. And the way that Paul knows they're going to kill him, if they kill him, they're going to take him to the courtyard of this prison, they're going to put his head on a chopping block, and they're going to cut his head off. How would you like it if that was one of your options today? And so here he is, there's a guy in the midst of everything coming unglued, and instead of him coming unglued, everything sticks together for the Apostle Paul. And the reason that Paul didn't come unglued, when to be honest, I would have come unglued, it's because Paul made one decision. It's a decision that Paul had to make over and over and over because you and I are going to have to make this decision over and over. But this could be the decision that keeps us from coming unglued when everything falls apart. And it's the decision to choose joy. It's the decision to choose joy. Because some listen, I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but you need to know God is really serious about you having joy. Did you know that? God is real serious about your joy. In fact, all through the Bible, God talks about joy. Jesus, in John chapter 15, it'll come up here on the screen in just a second, but in John chapter 15, 11, Jesus says this, these things I've spoken to you that your joy, that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus doesn't want his people walking around all the time with sour looks on their faces and things like that. Jesus wants us to be filled with joy. Here's another one in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? 
Joy, thank you to the five people who are listening to me right now. God bless your soul. Joy, here's what that means. Did you know that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Now, what in the world does that mean, fruit of the Holy Spirit? What it means, or what it means is this. The, it, it, it's characteristics, qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. So if you're here today and you want to know if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, how much joy do you have? Because the Holy Spirit wants to produce joy in our lives. Here's another one. We looked at this last week, but look here. James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all what? Oh, we're up to 10. We're going to get there. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, when life is hard, when the bottom falls out, count it what? Joy. Count it all joy. If you read for the, through, the first, through the four chapters of Philippians, the word that sums up the entire book is the word joy. Paul uses it over 12 times. Some Bible scholars even think that Paul uses this word 18 times in the short four chapters in the book of Philippians. And listen, when God uses a word like that, that many times in this small amount of space, it's because God is trying to get our attention. It's because God is trying to scream something at me that a lot of times I might miss because God is serious about our joy. And so all through the book of Philippians, Paul uses this word joy. Let me just show you a couple of examples. He uses it in chapter 1, verse 18, when he says this. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. He says this in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says this in chapter 4, verse 4. Here's the idea for the morning. Here's here's where we're going to land right here. Chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. In prison, head about to be chopped off possibly. I almost said popped off. That'd be funny. (laughs) Head about to be chopped off, possibly, and the crazy glue that holds everything together for Paul is this word, joy. Because listen, when things are coming apart in your life, and when everything is being broken, you need some crazy glue. You need need something that can hold it all together, and the crazy glue that God wants me to have and that God wants you to have in our lives is this crazy glue of joy. Joy is the thing that can keep it all together for us when it's all falling apart around us. But see, we need to say this, because some people are thinking, oh, this is a sermon about being happy, and this is not a sermon about being happy. Because joy and happiness are two different things. Joy and happiness are two different things. Because listen, happiness comes and goes, doesn't it? Happiness comes and goes. Happiness, a lot of times, it comes and goes with your circumstances. Happiness, you might be happy because you just bought something that makes you happy, right? People say all the time, money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, it does. You've just been, you've just been buying the wrong stuff, Right? Man, you can buy stuff that makes you happy. If you can't buy stuff that makes you happy, give me all your money and I'll buy something that makes me happy. Right? You can buy something that makes you happy. Listen, listen, you can. Money can buy you happiness, but that happiness won't last long, will it? That happiness won't last long. Because there's always a bigger TV than the one you just bought. Better surround sound. Better HD. Right? There's there's always an upgrade for an iPad. There's always a new iPhone that comes out. I didn't know anything was wrong with my iPhone 4 until they came out with an iPhone 5S and 5ABC, right? 
My goodness, now walking around, oh, man, this thing's so heavy, and it, oh, it's so slow, right? Listen, happiness comes and goes. Happiness might depend on if I've just bought something. Happiness might depend on how I feel. But apparently, apparently there's a joy that you can have that prison can't take away. Happiness is an emotion that you might have or might not have when you wake up, but apparently there's a kind of joy that God offers that you could have even when you might have your head chopped off. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of joy. Joy is better than happiness. Happiness goes, but you can choose a kind of joy that stays in your darkest moments. So I'm not offering happiness today. What I'm pushing is a deep joy that can keep it all together when everything falls apart. And so just to make sure that we're all on the same page when we talk about this kind of joy, let's give it a definition, okay? Let's define what we mean or what the Bible means when it talks about joy. And here's this quote on the screen. I didn't make up this definition. Uh, Kay Warren did. She's married to a guy named Rick Warren. He pastors this really small church out in California and wrote a book nobody read called The Purpose Driven Life. Um, Here's what she says. Watch this. Joy is the, mark these words, settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So when we talk about joy, we're talking about a quiet confidence. We're talking about a settled assurance. We're talking about, we're talking about a determined choice to praise God no matter what but see our problem is that a lot of times we just let life steamroll over us and we don't engage life we don't look at life through the lens of faith a lot of times we just live life and we just go through life and it's just steamrolling over us and we're not making any of these determined choices we're just responding to life we're just going through it all right So we wake up and there's kids crying, or you're crying because you had to wake up, right? There's diapers that need to be changed. There's breakfast that needs to be made. You're looking in the mirror and you're assessing the damage from the night before. Somebody must have broke in, slapped you around. You look like a hot mess, right? You're late for work. You're late for school. You walk in. Who knows all the drama that you can experience there? You forgot to study for that test. You forgot about that meeting, and you're not prepared for that meeting, and all of a sudden your stress level is up, you're freaking out, you're frustrated, then you clock out, and you bring all of that home with you. You might scarf down a meal, and then all of a sudden your spouse is agitated, your kids are freaking out, they're agitated, you go to bed, and guess what? You get to do it all again the next day. Awesome, isn't it? So many of us, we don't come unglued at a certain occasion, we live unglued, right? We just live, that's our address. Frustrated, stressed out, and, and what we do is we hear that and we think, oh man, listen, that's just life, and God says no, that's war. What we call life, God calls a war. It's a, it's a war to decide, am I going to praise God no matter what, or am I going to praise God when it only goes the way that I want it to go? And and, am I going to have a faith that thrives in the midst of the storm, or am I going to have the kind of faith that life just slowly eats away at? This 
is a war. See, one of the reasons that God seems so absent to our lives is because we respond to so much of life like he is absent. And I'll tell you, the biggest way we do that, the biggest way that you and I do that is complaining. Complaining. Anybody in here know any negative Nancys? Anybody? Negative Nancy, party pooper, you know, that always complain. Now, it's not us. We're thinking about other people because we're not, we're not those people, right? Other people complain all the time, not us, right? Right? Listen, there is no limit to the amount of complaining that I can do. Amen? Don't amen that because I'm talking about me. But have you noticed this for you? I don't know if maybe, maybe it's just me. But listen, I, complaining is an art form in my life. Have you ever noticed the kind of stuff that we, can, that we can find to complain about? We can complain about slow traffic. We can complain about slow internet. We can complain about the food's too hot or the food might be what? Too cold. We can complain that the shower is too hot or the shower is too cold. We can complain about the weather. We can complain about our job. We can complain about our school. We can complain about our boss. We can complain about our teacher. We can complain about our neighborhood. We can complain about our house that is in the neighborhood. We can complain about where our life is up to this point. We can complain about where we think our life is going. And on and on and on. Just this constant pity party. Have you noticed this? Just constant wah. And the entire time, the life is being sucked out of our faith. And so, when Paul says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord, what's the next word? Anybody know? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you know what always means in the Greek? Always. You've got to go to seminary to pick up that kind of thing. Again, I will say, Rejoice. See, when Paul says rejoice always, let me say it again in case you didn't pick it up. Rejoice. He's not saying wait for it to come to us. He is saying you go to it and you fight for joy. You make the choice to fight for joy every single day. The choice that Paul made is the choice that God puts on the table in front of us today. If we're going to keep it all together when it's all falling apart, then we need to, starting today, make the choice to choose joy, but that choice is a fight. It's a war to make that choice, and you don't go to war without a strategy. So today what I want us to do, in just the last few minutes that we've got together, I want to give us a three-part strategy for how you and I can fight for joy. Three things, very quickly, really practical, that you and I can start to do today to fight for joy. First thing you and I need to do, we need to seize the gift. If you and I are going to fight for joy, then you and I need to seize the gift. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you realize it. I think that I heard Rick allude to it. Um, but I don't know if you've forgotten, there is a holiday between Halloween and Christmas. Did you know this? It's not Black Friday. Okay, now I know that we start to celebrate Christmas the day after 4th of July now, but there is a holiday after Halloween and before Christmas. Do you know what it's called? Thanksgiving. I know it's an amazing day because here's what Thanksgiving is. We're thankful for 24 hours. We eat all kinds of food and then we spend the rest of the day complaining about the food that we ate. Right? Or Thanksgiving is an awesome time because for 30 days on Facebook we all put how thankful we are every day as a status. Right? But here's the deal. God, 
God intended for Thanksgiving to be more than just a day on a calendar. Thanksgiving, yes, it's a holiday, it's a day that we celebrate, but God intended for Thanksgiving to be more than a day on the calendar. God intended for Thanksgiving to be a weapon. A weapon that you and I can use to fight for joy when the devil wants to give us every excuse to throw in the towel and walk away. When our situation and our circumstances are falling apart, God intended for Thanksgiving to be a weapon that you and I can use to press on and have faith when everything looks like we should walk away and stop believing. See, thankfulness is breeding ground for joy. You need to understand that. Choosing joy and choosing thankfulness, they're the same thing. Why? Because you show me a person with joy, I'll show you somebody that's thankful. We could flip that too. You show me somebody that, ha- that doesn't have joy, I'll show you the same person that doesn't have, that, that's not thankful. If you don't have joy, you also don't have thankfulness. But if you have thankfulness, then you can have joy. And so what you and I need to do, see, God every day has surrounded us with gifts. Every day, God has surrounded you and I with gifts. And what you and I need to do if we want to cultivate this kind of joy in our lives, if we want to begin to fight for it, is you and I need to look around, take stock of all the things that God has brought into our lives, and we need to go after every good thing in our lives and intentionally choose thankfulness for every single thing. Intentionally go after thankfulness for every gift that God has brought into our lives. Say, how do I do that? How in the world do I cultivate that kind of thankfulness? How in the world can I go after all of these gifts that God's brought into my life and intentionally choose thankfulness? Are you ready? Because I'm going to tell you how. If you got your pen out, you need to get some paper out. I'm about to tell you how to cultivate thankfulness in your life. It's going to be real difficult. It's going to be real technical. But you seem to be an educated crowd, so I'm going to drop some knowledge on you that will sound impressive at lunch. Are you ready? Somebody say yes. Here's how you can cultivate thankfulness in your life. Here we go. Say thank you. That's a big deal, wasn't it? Did you feel the air stuck out of the room? Say thank you. Say thank you to God for every good thing that God has brought into our lives. Did you know that we can complain about good things God's brought into our lives? I've prayed for things and God's answered that prayer and then later on I started to complain about it. Have you ever done that? Every good thing in our lives, look at it and say, God, thank you intentionally. Don't wait on if you get a feeling because, listen to me, I've discovered that if I wait on my feelings to lead the way, they'll never show up. But if I take a step of faithfulness, eventually feelings will follow that step of faithfulness. So as soon as you wake up in the morning, intentionally let thankfulness start. As soon as your feet hit the floor tomorrow, as soon as they hit the floor, let thankfulness start. God, thank you that it's Monday. Anybody say amen. God, thank you that it's Monday. T-G-I-M. Let's start that one. Right? Right? It makes no sense to me. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, I hate Monday. Oh, another Monday. Yes, Sugarfoot, they come once a week. Pray that God changes the calendar, takes you home, or be thankful for it. 
Be thankful you've got breath in your lungs. Be thankful that you've got a job to put feet on the floor to go to. Be thankful that you have that boss. Be thankful that you have that teacher. Be thankful that you have those parents. Be thankful that you have those kids. Be thankful if there are any Christians in the room. Be thankful that your sins are forgiven. Be thankful that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Be thankful that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Be thankful that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You look around and what you see, it might not be going the way that you hoped that it would go. Be thankful that we've got a God in heaven who can take all things and turn them for good. Let's be thankful for that stuff. You're here. You're here. Listen, listen. You're here and things are barely coming together at the end of the month. The ends are barely being met. Who is making those ends meet anyway? God is. Be thankful for that. Be thankful. God has surrounded our lives with gifts. Now, there is a negative Nancy in the crowd right now. Well, I ain't got nothing in my life to be thankful for. Listen, Eeyore. Do you know who that is? Oh, bother. Listen. Listen. You're breathing right now, aren't you? Listen, there are places we could get on an airplane right now, and there are places in the world that we live in today where it is illegal to gather together and hear the preaching of God's Word. Did you know that? There are people who are being arrested for what you're doing right now. We should be thankful that we are here today getting to do this with no worries. God surrounded us with gifts. Let's, let's, instead of just letting life steamroll over us, let's engage life and say, God, thank you for every gift. You want to fight for joy, seize the gift. That's the first thing we need to do. Second thing we need to do, we need to scan the horizon. Not only do we need to seize the gift, we need to scan the horizon. I love what Paul does because it's so intentional in chapter 1, verse 18, because he says this, we read it, I'll read it again. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. See, what's happening here is that Paul knows there are people that are walking around while he's in jail, ruining his reputation. And he also knows that some of these same men are walking around and they're preaching Jesus with false motives. They've got ill gain in their hearts and that sort of thing. They're trying to preach Jesus but just get rich off of Jesus' name and that sort of thing. Same stuff still happens today. And so Paul has every reason to look where he's at and look at his circumstances and complain. But instead, what Paul does, Paul has learned a lesson that I need to learn and maybe you need to learn too. Paul has had a truth that sinks deep down inside of him and it's a truth that I can stand on this stage, man, and preach my guts out over, but I forget Monday through Saturday, and it's this simple truth. No matter what, God is in control. No matter what, God is in control. Can we all just say that right now? No matter what, God is in control. Paul says, no matter what they say about me or what they're doing to me, and no matter what happens to me here, God is in control. See, your life is not a series of random events that are just falling into place. Our lives are under the control of a good God who loves us. And to scan the horizon, to scan the horizon means it's something that you study 
seriously. You're examining it intently. It might be somebody that's on the deck of a ship and they're scanning the horizon to see how close they are to land. You and I need to scan the horizon of our lives and see where is God in our lives. Because listen, God is there in your life somewhere. You might be here and you're like, listen, man, I'm not even a Christian. I don't, I don't even know if I believe in this. Listen, God's working in your life. God's working in your life because before God created anything, he wrote down that you would be here in that seat today hearing the good news of Jesus and that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and he came back to life for you so that today you can give him your life and be changed forever. God is working in your life because today God wants to save you and change your life forever. That's what God's doing today. Some of you are here, and you just need to scan the horizon, say, this is where I'm at, God. What are you doing in the midst of my life? God, where are you in this thing that me and my family are experiencing right now? I'll tell you, the best way to scan the horizon, to find how God is working in your life, is in the Bible. The best way to scan the horizon and to hear what God is saying to you, to hear how God is at work in your life, is in the Bible. So many people are looking for a sign from God when the whole time God gave them a book. And he didn't give us a book so that he could put some words on a page. This thing says it is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And if you want to see God in your life, if you want to connect the dots between where you are and who God is, then open up God's Word because this book is filled with promises that Jesus bought for you and are true for you right now. This book is filled with stories of how God stepped in and provided and made a way for people when it looked like there wasn't a way. And listen, the same God who worked then is the same God we have now. If he was faithful in here, he'll be faithful now. You want to scan the horizon and connect God to your life? Open up the book that he gave you. Listen, I love you. I love you. But if this right here is the only interaction that you get with God's Word, this is not enough. It's not enough. It doesn't matter if you think the sermons stink or the sermons are dipped in awesome sauce. It doesn't matter if you think that our band is the greatest thing since sliced bread and you can just enter into the presence of God when they play. Listen, life hits out there, doesn't it? It's easy to talk all this stuff in here. But out there, life hits. And so you need to connect who you are out there with who God is and how he's revealed himself in his word. That's why we wrote that unglued devotional, something for you to read every single day so that you can connect your life to God's word. You need to do that. Scan the horizon and see where is God in your life. But the third and final thing for today, not only do we need to seize the gift and not only do we need to scan the horizon, but we also need to set a new course. Set a new course. Look at chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, you know, you might be here and we might be here and... Maybe you don't complain and you got all this negative tone to other people, but have you ever noticed how negative the inward dialogue that you have in your head goes? Have you ever noticed how negative and all the complaining that you can say to yourself, right? 
Just walk around, and we take, this is how we talk to ourselves. We just walk around, oh, man, I hate my life. Man, I hate my life. Oh, nothing ever goes right for me. Oh, man, I wish, I wish I'd have married a different person. Man, they are such a loser. Love you, babe, loser. My goodness. I wish my kids were different. They have bumper stickers that said their kids are honor students. I don't think, I don't think my kids can spell honor. Oh, gosh. Where'd they come from? I wish you would all in now. I always make bad decisions. I never make good decisions. Nothing ever goes right for me. Do, have you noticed this? And it goes on and on and on and on. And the entire time God says in this verse, you can think about that. Or God says you can think about whatever. Did you notice all the time God used the word whatever in this verse? Whatever is what? True, whatever is righteous, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is honorable. See, listen, we can walk around, oh God, I hate my life. God, I wish things were different. God, it's bad right now. Hey, you know what? It might be bad right now. You might look at your life and, you're, and, and when you say it's bad right now, you might be right. Maybe it's true that it's bad right now, but here's a question for you. What is truer in your life? That's not even a word, I don't think. Don't use it in public, all right? What's the truest thing in your life? It might be true that it's bad right now, but the truest thing in your life is the Word of God. The truest thing in your life is who God says you are in Christ. It might be bad right now, but God says that joy comes in the morning. It might be bad right now, but like we've already said, God can take bad and turn it for good. I can think about what's bad, or I can think about the truest thing in my life, who God is and what he said to me. Yes, you can spend all of your day thinking about what they said and what they did to you. And it was bad, and it was wrong, and it was horrible, and you can imagine all these scenarios where you get the last word, where you put them in in their place, or you can think about whatever is just. You can think about the fact that we have a just God in heaven who one day will get the last word on what they did to you. One day God will set it right. One day God will step in. Let's let him deal with it instead of letting these thoughts and this negativity and this complaining eat away at our faith. You can look at your life and say, man, I've wasted all of these years. Or you can look at your life and say, you know what, God? I will not waste anything from this point forward. From here on, I am yours. Use me however you will. Whatever is true, whatever is right. Whenever our thoughts are going in that normal, everyday direction of taking us away from God, we step in and we say, no, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking about whatever is true, whatever is right. I will choose joy over this. I will choose joy over this. See, this is hard. This is real hard. That's exactly why in verse 9 of chapter 4, Paul says, practice these things. You know why you got to practice something? Because it's hard. Every day, you've got to fight to seize the gift. You've got to fight to scan the horizon. You've got to fight to set your thinking in a new direction. But I want to tell you that that fight is worth it. So if we fast forward a little bit and we're done right now, we're done right now. We can fast forward a little bit to another time when Paul was in prison. In the last book of the Bible that he writes, 2 Timothy, 
chapter 4. And Paul is in prison and he knows that he's about to have his head separated from his body because history tells us that the apostle Paul was killed for preaching Jesus and he, and he had his head chopped off. Look at the last words that Paul says right here. Last words we get before Paul is killed. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, you know what? There were times when it would have been easier to walk away. There were times when it would have been easier to come unglued than to keep it together. But every day I fought the good fight. I chose joy. It was hard, but the fight was worth it. And I believe that when Paul had his head separated from his body, he instantly saw Jesus. And as soon as Paul saw Jesus, he said, thank you for not letting me give up. Thank you for helping me fight the fight. And today, I think that God is speaking into a lot of people's lives today, and he's saying to you, those of you who are Christians and the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, I think that God is speaking into some lives today, and he's saying, fight that fight. Believe, fight for joy, make that choice. I believe that some of you, maybe you used to be going really strong, and then something happened, you went through the hardest thing you and your family have ever endured, and man, it's been a hard season, and you're slowly starting to walk away from God. God is saying to somebody in this room right now, it's time to fight again. It's time to believe again. It's not time to walk out. It's time to choose to fight for joy. Some of you are here, and you're not Christians. And this choice, this fight starts by giving your life to Jesus Christ. The only way you can have the kind of joy that I'm talking about is to have Jesus inside of you. To have Jesus living in you. And that starts by you just right there where you're at, in prayer, going to God and saying, God, forgive me for all of my sin. I'm done doing this on my own, Jesus. I'm not perfect, but help me to live for you from this moment forward. See, all of us today have a choice. But it comes down to which choice are you going to take? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, right now I just pray for every single person that's here in this room. I pray for the person that at one time was fighting, going hard, and then something stepped in. And they know and you know they're not where they used to be. God, you're speaking into their life and you're saying it's time to fight again. I pray for the person who's here. I pray for the Christian, God, that you are speaking into their life. And you're telling them it's time to make this choice. It's time to make this choice to choose to fight for joy. And it's not something that we'll choose here in this service and then we never need to make that choice again. But God, we can start to make this choice right here. We can start to choose to seize the gift and to scan the horizon and to set a new course. Yes, yes, it's a fight, but it's a good fight. God, I pray for the person who's here today and needs to give their life to you for the very first time. I pray that right now you give them the courage to do it. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, what's the choice that you got to make today? What's the choice that God is telling you that you need to make 
today. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I believe that's why you're in that seat. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and that sin has separated us from God. And so if you're here today, you're not a Christian, you need to know that in that seat you've been separated from God. But I've got good news. And the good news is that Jesus loves you so much, He came and died and came back to life so that you can be reconciled to God. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today and become a Christian, I'm going to invite you right now to make that decision. In fact, if you need to make that decision, you know you need to be saved, then ask God to save you right now. But if you know you need to and you don't know how to verbalize that, I want to pray a prayer. And I just invite you right where you sit to silently pray this prayer between you and God. You can pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, did you just make that decision? If you just made that decision, that's the most important decision that you have ever made. And I'm going to count to three. And if you made the decision to give your life to Jesus today, as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand high up in the air. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Right now, raise your hand if you're making that decision today. Listen, if that's you, I want you to look at me. If you're making that decision to follow Jesus today, I want you to look at me. When you walk out of this room in just a moment, We've got a book for you. It's called Seek First. There's going to be some people in the back of the auditorium that want to give it to you. And all we ask you to do today is check your, on, your, on your connection card the box that said, I give my life to Christ. On your way out, give somebody that card. We'll give you that book because we want to help you with the most important decision that you've ever made. But let me talk to all the Christians in the room right now because I believe that every one of us have a choice. And if you're fighting this fight, man, you're choosing joy already. Continue to to choose it but I believe the choice that's on the table is for you and I to have a faith that stands in the storm and how can that happen? choosing joy choose joy choose joy and so if you're here today you've got a relationship with Jesus you're a Christian but you'd say today Mark I want to make the decision to begin to fight joy. I am choosing joy today and I want you to pray for me and I'm just making this decision and saying, God, help me from this moment forward to fight for joy. If that's you today, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over the room. Hands are going up all over the room. If you're saying, God, I want to fight for joy, help me to fight for joy. Raise your hand. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. God bless you. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Anybody else? Anybody else saying, I want to fight for joy? God, help me to fight for joy. Raise your hand. Hands have went up all over this room. Listen, with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, now what are you going to do? Because God wants you to begin to seize the gift and to scan the horizon and to set a new course. It starts today. It doesn't end now. It starts today. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us your spirit, and your spirit that lives in us is a spirit that can help us to fight this fight. So, Father, as we're done here today, don't let this be done with us. Help us to leave and to make this choice and to fight for joy, to fight for it on Monday morning and Tuesday and a year from now. And and when we get that phone call, when the bottom falls out, to fight for joy. Father, we love you, and Jesus, We thank you that you are our joy. In your name we pray, amen. Summit, let's thank God for today. And man, how God just speaks to us. And and listen, 
listen, we're going to dismiss you guys. But hey, listen, we wrote that unglued devotional for you. And I know there's a lot of you guys that, have t- that are taking advantage of that. You can get it through our app. You can download it on our website. But listen, let's, let's connect who we are with who God is through His Word five minutes a day. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Guys, listen, if you're here today, first time, don't forget to drop off those first-time guest cards out there at the table to your right. we got a free gift for you. If you're sticking around for the VIP lunch, give us just a few minutes to get that set up. We'd love for as many of you as possible to be at that lunch here in just a few minutes. Hey, love you guys. Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you all next week. Love you guys.
Love it.